Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, we gather now for worship in our normal place of worship, but these are not normal times. We gather in unusual circumstances today. As we gather, I am reminded of the Presbyterian Church in Aleppo, in the nation of Syria. I've had the privilege of visiting that congregation and hearing their story of how early in the war in Syria, the historic building in which that congregation had worshiped for many, many decades was utterly destroyed by an explosion. I have visited the site where the rubble lies all around in the midst of a city that is mostly destroyed, the old part of the city. But I remember their story that on the very same week, on the very Sunday following the destruction of their house of worship, that congregation gathered together in a small apartment in a safe part of the city so that they could worship Almighty God. The worship of God continues, we are told, eternally in heaven. And the worship of God continues wherever God's people and wherever God's people gather and however God's people gather. So we are gathered together, a few of us here in the sanctuary and many more of us as we are gathered in front of our iPhones or our iPads or our computer screens or televisions. However we are gathered, still we are gathered today to worship God. So let us be called together to worship, first in song and then in responsive word. Servants of God, our master proclaim, and publish abroad his wonderful name, his wonderful name, the name of Jesus extolled, his kingdom is glorious, he rules over Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Friends, let us worship God.
sisters and brothers in Christ, whether in person or whether we're connected by technology, we are a community which is always in need of God's grace in Jesus Christ. In our brokenness, let us confess our sins to the Lord. Please join me now in prayer. Eternal God, in whom we live and move and have our being, you have loved us beyond measure, yet we confess that we fail to love you with our whole heart, strength, and mind. You call us to love our neighbor as ourselves, but we look to people for what we can get rather than what we can give. You speak to us, but we are too busy to read your word or hear your still small voice calling us to follow. In your mercy, forgive and cleanse us. Teach us to love, listen, and live as your glad and faithful people. And help us to become more like your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Sisters and brothers in Christ, it is because of God's great love for us in his Son that we can come before him as we have. It is in the good news of, of Christ's reconciling work in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension that indeed in life and in death we belong to God. Receive and believe and trust in that good news of God in Christ. Amen. When all of us are gathered together in one place to worship, this is the time when we would share the peace of Christ with each other, the peace that Christ has given to us in the assurance of our sins and of his love for us. In these days, of course, how we share that peace has been changing. And so I would invite you who are worshiping with us now remotely to find a way to share the peace of Christ with each other. Perhaps you are worshiping alone. Perhaps you are worshiping in a place where several others are with you. In whatever way you can, an elbow touch, an air hug, a bow or a nod, let us share the peace of Christ with each other, remembering the peace that he offers us transcends time and space and even the minor and temporary difficulty that we face of not being physically present with each other. May the peace of Christ be with you. And also be Amen. Friends, I want to take a few moments out of our worship, as we always do, to share news about what is going on in the life of our congregation. First of all, I want to say a word of thanks 
to our church leaders, to our staff, to our musicians and technicians, and to all of those who have gathered around and come together in this particular time to help our congregation respond to the shutdown of our entire society in some sense as together we battle the coronavirus. Thanks to each and every one of you for being part of this. As you well know by now, all church gatherings and events and activities have been canceled or postponed through at least the end of March. We would encourage you to continue to pay attention to the various forms of communication with which we can tell you about what will be going on in the future. There are just a few exceptions to the ban on our gatherings. One of them has to do with the many AA and Al-Anon groups that meet here during the week. Because of the pastoral care nature of these groups, we will continue to open our facility to those groups. And if you are part of one of them, we would encourage you to be in touch with your leaders so that you might know the exact schedule and the exact place on the campus where you will be meeting. Also, this coming Monday afternoon at two o'clock, we will gather with a small group of people here in the sanctuary to celebrate and remember the life of Randy Stoke. And we continue to keep the Stoke family as well as the Forbes and Surgot families in our prayers as they mourn the loss of those whom they love. Even though so many of our regular church activities and events have been canceled or postponed, let me remind you that the true life of the church can never be stopped. We still pray, we still study, we still serve, we still engage in fellowship with each other, in the true community of the faith that is accomplished not so much by our physical presence, but by holding each other in love, by reaching out to touch each other, I would encourage you to continue your phone calls, your emails, your texts, in whatever ways you can, continue the relationships that you share with each other and continue the relationship, of course, that you have with God. It is our intention to be providing daily emails as well as daily messages through the service of our website to keep you informed about changes and developments as they continue, and also to continue to put before all of us a word from the Lord as we live through these strange and trying times together. Today in worship, we have with us some beautiful flowers that are here as a memorial and as a celebration for the life of Helen Downey. Helen lived more than 100 years and in many years of knowing her before she went to be with the Lord, now a couple of years ago, Helen would often share with me about the ups and downs of her life, and we would talk about all of the different things that she lived through in her century of living together. I cannot help but think that these flowers remembering Helen are a way of reminding all of us that throughout the years of our lives, God is still with us and we will survive and we will prevail. We remember these things in the sure and certain hope and knowledge of God's love. We are very blessed in this congregation to have many, many partners in ministry throughout the world. 
here to share with us today about one of those ministries is Jose Vallejo with Urban Life Ministries, and he and Jan will visit for a little bit about how we participate. Jose and Jan. We're delighted to have Jose here today, and I just have a few questions for him. Urban Life Ministry is one of our core missions at the Village Church. You can find out more on the web, contact me, or look at Urban Life on the website and know more about their organization. So Jose, tell me, to whom and where has God called Urban Life to serve? Thank you, Jan. Uh, Urban Life has been called to serve primarily youth. Everything that we do revolves around young people and particularly vulnerable and at-risk youth in San Diego. Uh, we focus primarily in the geography of City Heights. And why do you serve specifically in this particular community called City Heights? So just a, mile, a few miles away from here in a, in a small area of about 6.5 square mile radius, uh, there are 95,000 people that live in the community of City Heights who speak over 30 registered languages and 80 dialects. And we believe that that is an awesome manifestation very close to us of God's people, God's children. Uh, many different faces, many different languages. And with that also comes a complex landscape of need. Uh, we're dealing with poverty, childhood obesity, food insecurity, housing insecurity, low academic achievement. And we feel that God's called us. Those are his people, the marginalized people and the poor and the oppressed. And so we're there present trying to serve the youth in that community. That's amazing. I really appreciate this. I have one more question. And how is the work of urban life bearing witness to God in the community in which you serve? So I guess in a number of ways, uh, specifically for us, we think about it in the context of holistic youth development. And so we're investing in the academic development, uh, the spiritual development, the professional development, and the physical development of young people in City Heights. And if I could, Jan, uh, use the example of one student, Bayombe Mloko, and uh, he's a refugee from Tanzania that came to the country about four years ago, uh, was uh, fleeing, him and his family were fleeing uh, civil strife in his country at the time. And he didn't speak a word of English when he first got here, could only say yes and no, uh, was attending Crawford High School, got involved uh, through the relationships that we built in the community with City Heights Runners, our physical development program got also involved with the academic development program and started learning English, did well, had a 3.9 as a senior in high school and was a captain of the running crew at Crawford. And as you know, sometimes Crawford in our community doesn't get the best press, but it was beautiful to see God's provision and light shine through him. He helped the team bring back the first CIF championship in over 45 years. And that really, uh, I was at the pep rally when they did that, and it invigorated, I think, the ethos of the place and for them to strive for excellence all through this young man's hard work. And he's a God-fearing young man, and so it's beautiful to see God's light shine in our community through young people. That's wonderful. Thank yeah. you so much. And we so appreciate your being you. here with us today. Again, Urban Life Ministry, we encourage you to become engaged in this vital core ministry in our community. Thank, Thank you. you.
the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. In the beginning was the same was in the beginning with God, and the same was God. The same was in the beginning with 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 God. And the word was God. And the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word was God. Thank you, choir. Normally at this part of our worship, we would be calling all of the children to come forward to sit with one of the pastors or one of our other leaders on the steps here of the chancel to hear a word from God. As the pastor of this church, and I have to say one of the older members now of our leadership team, I am tempted to call some of the people in this building right now who are the age of my children, and they're laughing behind me. But it might look a little bit awkward on the production, so I'll let them sit behind me, but I'm trusting that you're paying attention. Amen. amen. That was good. we got to have an amen in this service, don't we? Of course we do. <laughs> of course we do. So, children, if you are watching this service now, maybe you're off uh, getting something to drink or snuggling into mom or dad's lap, let me ask you to pay attention for just a couple of moments. As you know and as all of us know, it is not the normal thing for us to be gathered together like this for worship. And I'm sure you've heard your folks talking about some of the things that are going on in the world around you. I will let your parents and grandparents and the other adults in your life explain to you what that's all about. But I want to add one little word. You might be feeling that your parents and others around you are a bit more tense today. Perhaps they're upset. Perhaps they're worried. 
Perhaps they're angry. Perhaps they're concerned. Or perhaps everything is going along as normal. Many of you are learning that you will not be going to school in this next week or maybe even for two or three weeks, and that's not the normal thing. But let me assure you that no matter what is going on around you in your life and in all of our lives that seems a little bit strange or a little bit different, that God still is with all of us that your parents and all the other adults in your life still love you with a deep and lasting love, and that by God's grace and God's truth, we are all going to be just fine. We believe that we worship a God who holds everything in his hands. We know that God loves us and nothing can ever take us away from God's love. So as your parents hug you, as they tell you that everything's going to be okay, as you help each other and encourage each other, let's remember that through all of those things, God is teaching us about his love, and indeed, God is reaching out to hug us in his own special way through all the people that are part of our lives. God bless you all. It's a part in our service where we come together first in silent prayer and then at a time where I will lead in a pastoral prayer, finishing together by inviting you to say the Lord's Prayer. Take a moment in your own heart to come before the Lord, just giving to God all the things that are on your heart. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how grateful we are that you are present with us every hour, every moment. We are never alone, for you promise to be with us always. As we pray, Lord, help us to remember your word to us. We thank you, Lord, for your psalmist who writes, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. In confidence of a God who hears and answers our prayers, we lift up our prayers to you for all those who are vulnerable, the very young and the elderly. We pray safety and healthy for those in high-risk areas, not just in our own country, where you have provided excellent health care and government support, but in places where systems are not prepared to help with those who are sick. Lord, we pray for the health care personnel and other caregivers who are on the frontiers of this struggle, offering essential service and care for those infected, even at the risk of their own lives. Put your shield about them. Cover them, Lord, with your presence. Guide our leadership in government and in financial institutions. Give us the peace that goes beyond all understanding that comes only from you. Lord God, be with our first responders, police and firefighters, as they too engage in helping those in need. We pray, Lord, for the homeless and unsheltered, for those who have no place to go. May mercy abound in this rainy season where they are essentially in need of shelter and food and where support systems are delayed. 
protect them during this time and help us to be the people you called us to be, ministering in the name of Jesus to the hungry, vulnerable, and hurting. We are aware, our God, that beyond the virus, many are ill, isolated already. Protect those in skilled nursing home and assisted living facilities. Thank you for the protocol started many days ago. May the fruit of their labor be effective in stemming the spread of any virus. Even as a physical illnesses threatens, we know that wars and conflicts continue. We pray for a military, protect those who serve our country, protect them from the virus and from the violence and tyranny which they are called to stop. We lift up our mission workers globally and ask for your presence and care for them. Help us, Lord, to minister to one another and those in need through prayer, through the social media available to us. Use us to check on our neighbor, a phone call, leaving supplies at their door for those who cannot or should not go out to even pick up essentials needed during this time. Let the light of Christ shine through into the dark places and circumstances of those who are in need. In all things, your power is present. Help us to be utilized for your work even as we are restricted by proximity. You are a great God who intercedes for us. Teach us how we can minister in a new and effective way by your grace and for your kingdom. As we continue in worship, may the reading and hearing of your word today lift us up, Lord, encourage and sustain us. For Jesus is indeed the word made flesh. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus, Messiah, praying together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In our worship, it is always appropriate that we remember that we are giving back to God our worship, our praise, our obedience. And as a sign of our worship, we also give back to God some of the resources that he has given to us. There are right now in front of me no people in the pews and no ushers standing at the back with their little trays waiting to wait upon you as you give your tithes and offerings. But that does not mean that we are excused from giving, giving in all the different ways that we give so that the life of the church continues. Indeed, perhaps especially in this time, it is important that we continue our faithful stewardship in all of the ways that the church always encourages you to do, so that the life of our church can continue and so that our ministry to a hurting world can continue. It is in the knowledge of God's love and provision for us that we therefore continue to give to God.
We are a people of the book to be nurtured and nourished and strengthened by the word of God. We, all, we always need the aid of the Holy Spirit to receive and hear God's word. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, enlighten our hearts and minds as we read and hear your word today. In Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The first reading is from the book of Deuteronomy. Let us hear the word of the Lord. This entire commandment that I command you today, you must diligently observe so that you may live and increase and go in and occupy the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna, with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. The second reading is from the Gospel according to John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. The final reading is from the book of Revelation. Then I saw heaven opened, and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he, judge, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name inscribed that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, wearing fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name inscribed, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. May the Lord bless the reading and hearing of his word. Let's talk with each other a while. Let's think with each other a while about times of change, times of uncertainty, times of threat and confusion, times of stress. You and I live in such a time today, but this is not the first time nor is this the worst time. 
I need not elaborate about the things that are changing, the things that are upsetting, the things that are confusing, the things that are beyond our control. What I do want to talk about is those times in which everything is upset, in which everything creates a, a knot in our stomachs and maybe a dull pain at the back of our heads as we try to figure out everything that's going on. And I want to talk about such times not thinking of today alone, but thinking of times spoken of in the scriptures. In the book of Deuteronomy, we are looking at just such a time. You might remember the story of the Old Testament that God creates everything that is and that sometime after that, God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Centuries pass and generations come and go and Abraham's family grows and grows and grows and eventually finds itself enslaved in Egypt. After a long time, 400 years we're told, God raises up someone to lead the people of Abraham out of their Egyptian slavery and then that large group of people that we call the Jews wanders in the wilderness for a long time. Finally, the people are ready to enter into the promised land, to enter into the holy land. The land that God has said to them will be the place where they will settle and thrive and live. Moses and the people are gathered together in what today is modern Jordan, across the Jordan River to the east from the modern-day nation of Israel, or Palestine as some would call it. It is approximately the year 1250 before Jesus. And in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is sharing with the people his vision, his wisdom, and his counsel, that ultimately is God's vision and God's wisdom and counsel, about what they need to know and remember and rely on as they prepare to go into the Holy Land. Now, remember that the people have been wandering in the desert for a long, long time. Perhaps you remember some of the stories about what it was like for them as they waited for Moses to come down from Mount Sinai, they forgot about the God who had blessed them and saved them, and instead they created their own gods. As they wandered in the wilderness, they had no food, they had no water. And so God took pity on his people, and God continued to nourish and care for his people with the miraculous gift of manna. Perhaps as a child you remember being told that manna was something like bread, it was food from heaven that fed the people and sustained the people all throughout their time in the wilderness. Moses reminds the people as they are getting ready to go down into the Jordan River Valley and then up again into the Holy Land, that God had fed them with manna in order to humble them and in order to teach them. And then Moses says these words, 
God has done this for you. God has led you in the wilderness all this time in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Remember that word, word. And let's talk about another portion of scripture just read for us that comes to us out of the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, probably written sometime around the year 90 or 100 after the birth of Jesus. About 1,350 years after Moses gives his speech to the people of Israel, now Jesus has arrived, Jesus has lived and died and been resurrected, and those who follow Jesus are beginning to learn what it means to follow him in the real world, and the real world has become a very threatening and dangerous place. Early Christians, of course, started in Jerusalem, but then they began to spread throughout the Western world. And as they began to live and act and think differently, other people began to take notice, and not everyone was happy. Neighbors of Christians were upset that Christians were saying that there was only one God, that all the pagan gods did not exist, that they had no power. People were upset that Christians were saying that what God wanted of us and from us was to live in harmony and peace with each other as we followed the way of Jesus. Christians were saying in the public square, saying to their friends and neighbors and families, that Jesus, the crucified and risen one in Jerusalem, was the Lord of all lords and King of all kings. And that did not sit well with Rome. It was a matter of Roman political and even religious doctrine that the Roman emperor, the Roman Caesar, was a god, a god to be obeyed, even a god to be worshipped. And so sometimes toward the end of the first century, Christians would be taken into the local Roman magistrate wherever they might be, and they were commanded to profess their allegiance to Caesar as Lord. Sometimes faithful Christians did just that, understandably so, as a way of saving their lives and saving their ability to care for their families and to go on. But sometimes faithful Christians were given the strength to say, no, Caesar is not Lord, Jesus is Lord. They might be beaten, they might be excluded from their communities and thrown out of town, or they might be executed. You see, many Christians towards the end of the first century lived in troubling and upset times, times that created great confusion and great stress, similar to the times that the first Hebrews lived in the Jewish people as they were getting ready to go into a new land. John is exiled by the Roman government on a small island out in the middle of the sea off the coast of modern-day Turkey, the island of Patmos. 
John sees a vision from heaven, a vision given to him by Jesus, a vision given to him to spread among the churches, meant to encourage them and to strengthen them and to remind them that no matter what persecution they faced, no matter what challenge they faced, even the challenge of perhaps losing their lives, God was with them. The portion of scripture we just heard from is a portion that gives us a beautiful image, a powerful image. An image of a white horse coming down from heaven with a rider on it. You and I know, as did those first people who heard this message and heard about the vision of John, they knew that the rider was Jesus. The victorious Christ who had conquered death and now was in heaven with God and who one day would come again to put everything right again on earth. In fact, in that vision of Revelation, we are told that the rider will come on his horse and he will bring God's righteousness everywhere. He will set things right again. That rider is given several names. One name, John tells us, is a name that nobody knows. Only the writer knows his own name. It's a way of saying that only God truly knows who God actually is. But then we are given to know some of the names of this writer, some of the names of the risen Christ. One of those names, one of those titles is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But another is this. Quoting from the book of Revelation, and his name is called the Word of God. There's that word again, the word, word. Hold that word in your mind as we speak for a moment about the gospel according to John. By tradition, it is the same John who was exiled on the island of Patmos, who also wrote the gospel according to John. John, who was a disciple of Jesus. By now, John is an old man, and we know that he has thought long and hard about just who Jesus was, just who Jesus is. Most scholars agree that John wrote his gospel around the same time that he wrote the vision that is contained for us in Revelation. In the gospel according to John, in words that are familiar to so much of the Christian church because they are so often quoted, we hear this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. There's that word, Word, again. The Word of God by which the wandering Jews live, not just the word that is manna. The word of God that is the name of the victorious and risen Christ. The word of God that John says to us in his gospel is born into the person Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. You and I need to ask ourselves a question and think deeply about that word, word, in the scriptures. What does it mean? Perhaps we should take our clue from the very beginning of the scriptures from the Old Testament book of Genesis. In Genesis, we are told that there is nothing except for God. 
And then God speaks a word, and everything comes into being. Right there, we are let in on this vitally important truth that God's word has power. God's word makes everything else to be. God's word somehow is at the very foundation of our very existence. It is a difficult concept, but one with which we must struggle. The concept of the word of God. The word of God in the scriptures is all about God's intelligence, all about the truth that is in God himself that God builds into the very fabric of all existence. A word that is not just a thought or a concept or an idea or a sound that God makes with God's mouth, but a word that has the power to create and to sustain all things. It's God's word that shapes all of reality, that defines all of reality, that expresses what all of reality is meant to be, including the reality of us. It is God's word that creates, and then God's word that recreates, that restores and renews all things. For many weeks now, we have been thinking about the names and the titles and the descriptions of Jesus. Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus as the rabbi. Here we encounter one of the most mysterious and one of the most complex and yet also one of the most important things that we can say about Jesus, that Jesus is the Word of God. For me, that means that in Jesus, everything is as God meant it to be. In Jesus, we see expressed in human form the genius, the intelligence, the purpose, the origin, and the future of all things. It is in Jesus that we see where true power and meaning and hope and direction comes. It is in Jesus that you and I can see what it is to live by and to express the Word of God in human form. And so what I would say to you is something that I learned long ago and that still I am learning today. That no matter what kind of times we live in, good and easy and happy times, or perhaps difficult and confusing and upsetting times, we have the assurance that God has spoken to us and is speaking to us still in his word. The word of scripture, the word of encouragement and support that we receive from our friends, but especially in the word of Jesus. We live by the word of God that is embodied in Jesus, and we live by the word of God that Jesus spoke. A word that tells us that God is good, that we are safe in God's hand, that we need not be afraid of anything because the God of all creation holds us in his heart. No matter what we face, we live by the wisdom and the power and the truth of God's word. 
A word that teaches us to love each other. A word that teaches us to serve each other. A word that teaches us to be at peace in our souls, to have that peace that passes all understanding. A word that tells us that we can live through anything because the word of God that was and is Jesus Christ has conquered all things and still lives in us. In these times, be filled with the knowledge and presence of God's word. Remember that word as you follow Jesus today for life. Amen. Hear now these words of the affirmation of faith from Romans. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of God or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him to receive a gift in return? For from him and through him and to him are all things. For to him be glory forever. Amen.
Friends, there are many words that are filling our thoughts and our hearts in these days. Words perhaps that are new to us and combinations of words that are new to us. Words like coronavirus, words like Novid 19, words like social distancing. Have you ever thought of what a strange thing that is to be socially distant? No matter what words are filling our hearts and minds in this particular period of our history, you and I trust in words that have spoken to us for generations, words that have spoken for centuries. Words like those of Moses that remind us that we live by the creative and energizing and renewing word of God. Words like those that John saw inscribed and given to the victorious Jesus who is the word of God. Words that John reminded us of in the beginning of his gospel story about Jesus. That Jesus is the word I would encourage you in these days to remember these more important, more lasting, more life-giving words, words that encourage you and me to live by the power of the word, the word who became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. Let each of us live by that grace and truth today and forever. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Amen. Until